Good morning. You've probably heard someone say, or maybe you said yourself in, in, uh, in times past in your life, but uh, I could never believe in a God who, what, fill in the blank. I could never believe in a God who would send someone to hell. That's probably the one I've heard the, the most, the very most. I could never believe in a God who lets bad things happen to good people. I've heard that one a lot too. I could never believe in a God who would let Canadian geese live in Florida all year, <laughs> all year long. I mean, what, at what point are they just going to become Floridian geese? I, I don't, um, uh, I actually have never heard that one, but, um, I, have, I wonder if you ever heard anyone say, I could, I could never believe in a God who defies mathematics. That would be a pretty nerdy thing to say. It would. And yet, the doctrine of the Trinity is, in fact, beyond our ability to really grasp it, isn't it? It's like the reality of God's nature as three in one is here and he created us and our ability to understand things about here. And there's just this gap between the triune nature of God and, and what we can fully grasp about his nature. In the church calendar, this, this Sunday after Pentecost, remember we had a wonderful Pentecost Sunday last week, the Sunday after is always called Trinity Sunday. And it's usually the Sunday where uh, the preacher tries to explain in some way the Trinity, that God is Three persons, but one God. Not three gods, but Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, each fully divine, each unique from the others, uh, but connected so intimately that they are together one God. And you really cannot find an analogy anywhere that doesn't quickly drift into heresy. And that is why the Trinity Sunday sermon usually is assigned to the assistant rector, or the deacon, um, which makes me wonder, why are they both out of town this week? That's... So I'm not going to spend too much time trying to, explain, uh, trying to explain the Trinity, but rather we're going to look at our passage from Romans. And what we're going to see is that the triune nature of God is not a reason. To throw up our hands and say we could never believe in a God that we can't fully understand. But in fact, the Trinity is incredibly good news for us. Or as one theologian wrote, the doctrine of the Trinity is the very heartbeat of God's redemption of human souls. The doctrine of the Trinity is the very heartbeat of of God's redemption of souls. So, three points. And here, the first one, the three things I want to point out to you uh, from this passage. The first thing that Paul tells us is that we have peace with God through Jesus Christ. And the reason that we have that peace with God through Jesus Christ is that we are justified by faith. Now, what does that mean? Justified by faith. Well, I, I once read about this little girl, young girl, who, uh, and I don't remember her name or, or her brother's name, so we'll call them Sally and Johnny, but uh, this girl Sally brought home a great big chocolate bar 
that she won at school. And the next day, the little girl's mother opened the girl's bedroom door only to discover little three-year-old Johnny in there caught red-handed, chomping down on this great big chocolate bar, just chocolate all over his face and his hands and, and his shirt. And he's backed against the wall like this, this, uh, this cornered criminal. I mean, the evidence is, is everywhere. There's no hiding his guilt. And, and that is really where we are naturally with God. Right? It might seem, whatever it is, it might seem delightful and innocent in the moment. But the minute that door of understanding opens up, we know we've been self-serving. Right? We know and the evidence is all over us. And, and we're guilty uh, uh, and our self-serving hearts have put a wedge between us and God. The little boy, Johnny, immediately begins to just sob to his mother and confess, just confess everything. Mom says to him, despite his tears, he's going to have to tell Sally what he had done when she gets home from school. And that afternoon, was torture for little Johnny. I mean, would Sally... Uh, be angry with him? Of course she was going to be angry with him. Would she ever talk to him again or play with him again? He didn't know. When, he when she finally came home, the anxiety that had been building in little Johnny all day burst like a dam. There's just this stream of, of tears and confession. Sally, I'm so sorry. I ate your chocolate bar. Sally was the kind of big sister who would always look for the chance to love up on her little brother. Instinctively, she wanted to love her brother more than she wanted to eat the chocolate. This sounds just like my house. <laughs> and she took him in her arms and kissed him and said, It's okay, Johnny. I love you anyway and always. And though he was still crying because of his shame, tears were running down his cheeks, uh, but he began to laugh for joy. And he hugged his sister with all his strength because the one whom Johnny had offended, his sister, loved him and forgave him and did not require punishment or reimbursement. By her grace, Johnny had peace with, her, with his sister. And the one that we have offended by our self-serving, and that's God, the one that we have offended loves us and forgives us through the cross rather than demanding punishment or reimbursement. We are justified by faith in His grace. And so we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you might remember something that I've said in the past, and that is that we use the word justified in that place because the word righteousified is not an English word. But that's what we mean. That's what the Bible means. When it uses the word justified, we have been righteousified. Uh, we have been declared to be righteous, not because we are righteous. I mean, the evidence is smeared all over. It's like Johnny's chocolate, right? But the, because the one who is righteous, the Lord Jesus, has given his righteousness to us. His good deeds become our good deeds. And his loving heart becomes our loving heart. And his perfection comes our perfection. And so we are justified or righteousified by faith. Johnny was loved 
as if he had never eaten his sister's chocolate bar. It wasn't Johnny's actions that were justified, but in Sally's eyes, it was Johnny himself. And when God looks at you, he sees perfection. Because he's awesome. And he's gracious. And so we have peace with God, the Father, through the gift of God the Son. Now that doesn't mean that our life is always peaceful, does it? We have all kinds of crazy going on in our lives. But we have peace with God. There is no wedge between you and God anymore because God made you to love you and has given you that grace. But what about when our life is so unpeaceful, right? Well, the second thing I want to point out is that Paul tells us that this peace with God actually allows us to boast in our sufferings. Now, i got to tell you, I don't love that translation, boast, because to us, when we, mean, when we say boast, we mean something like brag, right? To uh, have a little swagger and, or to... Uh, to to have excessive pride about something. And for crying out loud, bragging in our sufferings like that doesn't make any sense. But the original language, the word is more like we rejoice in our sufferings. Or we celebrate in our sufferings. Or we glory in our sufferings. It does not mean that we should glory or rejoice because we are suffering. By any means. I mean, the Psalms are full of prayers like, deliver me, O Lord. Get me out of this mess. Cancer, COVID, or financial stress, relational turmoil, problems at work. Deliver me, O Lord. We're not celebrating our suffering. That would be masochistic. Rather, so complete is our peace with God that we may still rejoice even in the midst of suffering. We may still rejoice even though we are suffering because we have peace with God through Jesus because there's nothing between us and God suffering, hear me, suffering of any kind in this world never means that God has turned his back on us. Suffering in this world never means that God has turned his back on us. In fact, Paul says it's just the opposite. That our peace with God the Father through God the Son means that nothing is wasted in our lives. Suffering, when we're going through it, suffering may seem worthless. It may seem unnecessary. Certainly it is unpleasant. It may seem like it's more than we deserve. And sometimes in suffering it seems like God is being silent. Or maybe even God is absent. Paul says, all the while, unpleasant as it may be, unfair as it may feel, we can trust that God is using it, using it to build in us a moral and spiritual endurance. It's, a, it's like a, like a marathon-type fitness on a spiritual level. This endurance will sharpen our Christian character as we learn to fix our eyes on Jesus, even in the midst of difficult times. Because if you think that what you're going through now is tough, like we've got no idea of what's coming. 
And in that time, whatever it is, I'm not being prophetic, I just live life, you know. And so in, in, whatever it is, you're going to need to be able to draw then on the evidence of God's faithfulness in your life right now. Just as right now, you can draw on the evidence of God's faithfulness to you in the past. You know what that's called? Hope. Hope. Suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And Christian friends, Christian hope is not a wispy wish. It's not a gamble. Christian hope is confident expectation. Confident expectation. It's like if the Jacksonville Jaguars were going to go play Mandarin High School in football. And you said, well, I hope the Jaguars are going to win. <laughs> you have confident expectation. Now, if, if, I mean, like if that doesn't work for you. I mean, just put the Chiefs or the Rams in there, you know. It's the same. But you have confident expectation. Just the other day, I came across a passage in Psalms, uh, the Psalms, that was just such an encouragement to me. Psalm 27, verses 13 and 14 says, I believe, that's the confident expectation, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living we should say, I don't have to wait till the other side. I'm going to see the goodness of the Lord on this side. I believe it. So, so David says, wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. It's hope. I'm going to see the Lord's goodness in the land of the living. It's coming. In, in the next life for sure, but in this life also. So God's going to get you through this thing, whatever it is. Whatever it is. Now, how do I know that? Because of the third and final thing that I want to show you from this passage. Paul says that this hope, this hope will never disappoint us because God's, Holy, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. God the Father loves us. So he gave us God the Son to redeem us. And God the Son gave us the Holy Spirit to remind us. To live in us. To bless our hearts and minds. To fuel that justifying faith. To hold us in that peace with God. And to remind us through suffering times. That God is with us. He's working in us. He's growing us. He's going to get us through this. He's keeping that hope ever before and so you can see why that theologian said the doctrine of the Trinity is the very heartbeat of God's redemption of souls. For with God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we have God always above us, God always before us, God always within us. To have a God that we can know intimately, and yet whose triune nature defies our understanding, should suggest to us that this same God can have a plan for us that is beyond our understanding. That this same God can have a goodness for us that is beyond our ability to grasp it and see it in the moment. That this same God can have a 
a power to redeem that is beyond our immediate grasp, and a love for us that is greater than we can ask or imagine. And so whatever you've got smeared all over you, guilt or shame, fear or anxiety, sorrow or uncertainty, doubt or despair, the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, is very good news for you. 